0: And a warm welcome to the afternoon show. I'm Bill Arnold. I am so glad that we're going to be spending time with Dr. Mark Muska this hour. We're going to continue our Red Word series. So the Red Words are the words in the New Testament or anywhere in the Bible that are spoken by Jesus. I love focusing on those words and the text that we're going to talk about today is John chapter 9. So grab your Bible, get it out um, and get a notebook and a pencil because I learned uh, that that's how you study the Bible. That's what Mark told me. Get a pencil. And that's how you know you're studying God's word. So, Mark is a retired uh, professor here f- uh, from the University of Northwestern, and always glad to have and happy to have him on because he's my friend. Mark, hi. Hey, how you doing, Bill? Well, you know, I'm in preparation for today in John chapter nine. I'm looking uh, at John chapter eight, where it says in verse twelve, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, "I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life." And I was wondering if there isn't some symbolic elaboration that's going on in the next chapter regarding the narrative of the blind man.
1: Yep, you bet Uh, that's not a a coincidence. (laughs) I didn't Uh, think so. (laughs) In fact, John loves to do this through his gospel. There's several. I am statements that Jesus makes in the Gospels, and he seems to nestle it up right next to something that shows it or demonstrates it. Uh, You get into uh, John chapter 11, where Lazarus is raised from the dead. you remember what he said to Mary and Martha? I am
0: the resurrection and the life.
1: Yep, and then he did it. He raised him.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. So that's uh, that's uh, very common, and uh, it's not just in chapter eight. He says this, but at the end of this scene in chapter nine, he repeats it again at the end of the passage in uh, verse. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Jesus says uh, in verse. 39, he says, uh, for judgment, I came into this world, so those who do not see may be p- p- not see, and those who uh, see may become blind. And so he gets back into the same thing about the light of the world. He says it in verse 5 at the beginning of the passage, too. While I am in the world,
0: I am the light of the world. Mm-hmm.
1: So that just kind of weaves through the whole
0: section here. Yeah, and then Mark the blind man even kept saying, I am the one. I go look at. He's using I am language. That's very, very odd to me. Yeah, it's fun to get into this.
1: It's uh, it's a very vivid chapter. I really appreciate the way John recorded it because there's all kinds of conflict. Uh, well, if you read chapter eight, you saw that the context of this. I don't know. Is it hot in the Twin Cities today? No, uh, it's very pleasant here. Okay, it's hot in Sioux Falls, and I can tell you it was hot in Jerusalem here in chapter (laughs) 8 because Jesus is teaching in the temple, and the Pharisees and the Jews come after him, and it gets down and dirty. They are insulting Jesus, and he doesn't take any of it. They say, you know, self-righteously that they're the sons of Abraham, not, uh, not sons of fornication. Uh, speaking about Jesus' virgin birth, they're insulting him about that. And, and Jesus comes right back and says, you are of your father, the devil,
0: because he was
1: a liar and a murderer from the beginning, and you are too. So,
0: yeah. We seem to call that the direct approach, don't we?
1: Yeah. It, it, it was hot. It was hot. Yeah. Yeah. So, but then at the beginning of chapter 9 here, he just left the temple in chapter 8, the last verse, and it says, as he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. So he's still in Jerusalem, not in the temple, probably mm-hmm. close by, yeah. but he runs into this guy and here we go, and it gets real interesting.
0: Yeah, so let's go, I don't know how you're going to take us through this, Mark, but what would you like to read portions? Uh, what would you like to do? Yeah, I'd
1: I'd like to read the passage first. You know the okay. very wise teacher told me that make sure you read the Bible. God does not promise that your words, Mark, are gonna have an effect, but he does promise his words will have an effect. So we better read it. <laughs> okay. okay. So we got forty one um, verses. Do you wanna do the whole no, thing? No. I don't want to do the whole thing. Okay. I really want to focus in on right at the beginning. If we have time, we can get into more of the story. Okay. And it's a lot of fun. Okay. But these are most of the red letters in the whole chapter. Perfect. Chapter 9, uh, verses 1 through 5. Okay? okay. You go ahead then. So it says here to start, as he, as Jesus, passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he would be born blind? Jesus answered, it was neither that this man sinned nor his parents, but it was so the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me as long as it is day, night is coming, no one can work. While I am in the, the world, I am the light of the world. Wow. Wow. That's just That's really good. powerful. Yeah. You know, he, he comes right after it there. But uh, his words are uh, initiated by the disciples question uh, they ask rabbi who sinned, this man or his parents that he would be born blind And, Bill, this reflects the disciples were in the school of contemporary Jewish thinking about God and about sin and what what God did about sin. Uh, The fancy word for it that theologians like to throw around, it makes us look smart, is we call it retribution theology. Doesn't that sound impressive? (laughs) Yeah, I, I have a feeling I
0: know exactly what it means, too.
1: Well, a lot of people don't, and I'm going to lose them if I don't explain it. No, please do. Essentially, retribution means payback. Yeah. It means God's going to get you when you sin. He's going to give you the business, and it's not going to be good. It's going to be something bad. Retribution theology, in fact, there are two sides to this coin bill, that if you sinned, God was going to get you. There was something that Mm -hmm. was going to go bad. Yep. And if you were a righteous person, God blessed you. So you had possessions and money and stature and respect from other people. And so can you see how this played out with the Jews during this period of time in the Mm -hmm. first century? These poor people who had leprosy or were blind or lost a relative. Oh, boy, they looked down their noses at them and saying, yeah, you must have sinned. That's why God's doing this to you. And then the righteous Pharisees walking around, and they had the money and the prestige and all that. So guess what their attitude was about themselves? Now, yeah, well, we've been blessed by God. You know, this is why <laughs> we're yeah. prospering this way. And I want to talk about that more in a little bit here. But okay, good. Even the twelve disciples were buying into this, yeah. where they say, "Who sinned?" This man or his parents? And that's a really good question, because if you believe this retribution theology, the guy wasn't born yet if he was blind from birth. So maybe it was something his parents did. Yeah. That then God struck them, not them themselves, but their child that was then born blind. Wow. Okay? Yeah. So that's that's a pretty heavy anchor to lay on somebody, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Say, your kid suffers because you did something Yikes. Man, that's just brutal, isn't it? Yeah. But then, thank speed of God, Jesus, he—the answer is so beautiful, Bill. uh, It's—you just want to sing a worship song or something because you see what he says? This whole passage turns around verse 3 where he says, Jesus answered, It was neither that this man sinned nor his parents, but it was so— that the works of God might be displayed in him.
0: Can you understand what he's saying there?
1: Just unpack
0: that Mark, I wish I could. Uh, You know, when I was reviewing this for today, I go, oh, here I go again. I'm going to be asking the tough questions. First of all, I'm very glad that the Lord corrected his disciples quickly. I appreciated that. And the next thought was one I've had many times before that, you know, did— In the sovereign plan of God, did he allow this man's blindness for the works of God to be displayed? Sounds like that to me. It does. And think about that for a minute, Bill. This
1: guy, he was out of his household. His parents didn't look after him anymore. So he's at least in his 20s, 30s, maybe even 40s. And if I'm understanding Jesus right, Jesus is saying this man has been blind his entire life for this day. When I come
0: and I show the works of God through him. Think of that. Sounds a little mean, like a mean trick, doesn't it?
1: Well, it's someone who's completely, and I hate to use the pun, but he's completely in the dark about (laughs) why this happened. Yeah, yeah. And he's got to think, I must have done something wrong. Or my parents must have, and they're going to get that reinforced from all the Jews around him. Think of the guilt. Think of the questions, all of that, for all those years. And Jesus settles it right there to say, "Mm -mm, it was for this day. And then, uh, glory to God, what does he do? He spits on the ground, makes some clay into mud, puts it on his eyes, goes tell him to wash in the pool of Siloam, and the guy comes back seeing Amazing. Can't you hear the angels singing in heaven? Oh, over can that? I ever. Yeah. This man relieved of this years and years of burden here, of having this blindness and not understanding it, and sure not being encouraged by any retribution theology there. Mm-hmm. This is God's payback to you or your parents, you know, that you're getting what you deserve.
0: You yeah. Know? Dr. Mark Muska is my guest. We are in the Red Words of Jesus, and we're in John chapter 9. I'm going to take a break, but when I come back, one of the first questions I have for Mark, and I'll give him an advance uh, heads up here, Mark, is the idea of Jesus uh, spitting on the ground and making uh, this clay and applying it to the blind man's eyes. Is there some symbolism or narrative behind that? Is is he trying to make a point by doing that? That's the question I have when we come back. We'll take a short break. If you have a question or comments, 877 933-2484. Nine three three two four eight four.
1: The Bible is valuable, and reading and studying the Bible can transform your life. Hi, I'm Angela Smith, host of Reading the Bible Together podcast. Several times a year, we release a new Reading the Bible Together study. We've studied Luke, Daniel, Advent, Lent, and so many more. You can access all of our studies for free by going to the Reading the Bible Together resource page at myfaithradio.com. In addition to the studies, we also have the accompanying podcast. You can listen wherever you listen to podcasts. You can study on your own, or if your small group or Bible study is looking for what to study next, check out the Reading the Bible Together resource page at myfaithradio.com.
0: I'm back with my friend, Dr. Mark Muska. You usually know him from Ask the Professor, but today he has jumped into our uh, red word series, so the words of Jesus, and we're looking at those red words that are in John chapter 9, the healing of the blind man. I'm so glad you tuned in today because this is such a rich passage, and Mark's got a lot to teach us today. And right before the break, Mark, I was thinking of the is there symbolism. Jesus spits on the ground and makes clay of the spittle, and then he applies this clay to the blind man's eyes. Is this some kind of narrative of some kind? Are we getting some kind of message? Is he saying I'm the I'm the Potter, and what is what if yeah. what does this mean? It's a good question, Bill, and we really can't answer okay. uh, answer
1: it because it's it's never explained to us in that kind of a way. Okay. What you will notice though is when Jesus performs his miracles, he does not have a stocky that he does it. Sometimes he prays over the person, sometimes he touches them, sometimes he doesn't. Here he's using this dirt to wipe on the guy's eyes. Uh, There's one time where he is healing a blind man. He says, do you see anything? And the guy says, well, you know, everybody looks like trees walking around. So it didn't seem to have the full effect. And Jesus did the miracle again, and then he could see clearly. So... I like that because it gets away from magical kinds of thinking. Yeah. If you have the right potion, if you got the right stuff like dirt, yeah. and if you have the right uh, th- thing to say over it, then kabam, shazam, yeah. you've got these powers. <laughs> you know.
0: Mark, it and, almost seems for a second that Jesus was like my ophthalmologist. Better like this or better like that.
1: Better <laughs> like this. Better...
0: <laughs> I don't know about that. Hey, I'd I'd just assume go to Jesus rather. No, no, I would too. I would too. But yeah. Yeah. yeah, he made an improvement on this on this guy's vision. And and is part of the idea of making uh, the the spittle on the ground was that to get in the in the face of the Pharisees who knew that would be considered work on the Sabbath.
1: Yeah. Uh, again, it doesn't say that, but okay. I, can, I can see him thinking it okay. because that's another thing Jesus really loves to do. He rubs the Pharisees' nose in it when he does these things on the Sabbath because they get all bent out of shape. You know, They're about to go apoplectic because he's working on the Sabbath. that's mm-hmm. so that is, he, he. I think he's doing it on purpose. He has to try to break through to these legalistic Pharisees about what's important. And uh, this is more important than some uh, legalistic regulation that they made for the Sabbath. All right, Mark, let's continue. I've got my, my
0: pencil out, ready to go. Take notes.
1: Yeah, well, this, you know, we got to talk about this for a while, though, about this retribution theology. Okay. Bill. Because it is such a killer, and I am astounded how many people still yet today in the 21st century who love Jesus and follow him, they still think this way, that there something bad happens, and it's because they did something to deserve it. I used to tease students, you know, some student walking over to class, and he drops his books in the mud, and he starts thinking, oh, yeah, uh, God did that because I didn't have my time in the Bible You know, we link it up like that to try to explain it. So if somebody's suffering, well, you must have done something to deserve it. And you know the suffering is bad enough, and then you bring that guilt of this retribution on it, and it's just not right. It's 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 just like football with piling on, you know. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's too much, and then the self righteousness that it gives if people are doing well and they think this is God's blessing on their lives, you know. So uh, it, it's just it's poison. It it's uh, and it, I I've. I'd like to say too, and the reason it's poison is that it's got some truth to it, but it twists that truth. Mm. That's the most subtle kind of poison out there. If you say something blatantly wrong, hey, you know, God wants you to go murder people. Well, you know, nobody's gonna fall for that one. You know, oh no, no, do not murder Ten Commandments, mm-hmm. get lost, you know. You are gonna tell the guy where to go. And but if you can mix the truth and just get some lies or some falsity in there much, much more dangerous. So, I mean, think about it for a minute. Let's just, let's just talk about this question. Why do bad things happen? Okay. And I'd like to offer you, there's at least three possibilities of why bad things happen. Okay. The first one is, is yes, it could be because of sin. And in this way, retribution theology has a little bit of truth in there. So, for example, if somebody gets behind the wheel of a car that's been drinking and is stone drunk and goes out and kills a family uh, in a head-on collision, that is— that is sin that that that's causing that bad thing to happen, mm-hmm. okay? So we have to keep that on the agenda. It could be that someone does something that's wrong, and these are the consequences of it, okay? Mm-hmm. So you see the truth in that? Well, I sure do. Yeah. There's another one that's even more subtle. A second possibility is that sometimes God uses these bad things to accomplish Better things. Mm -hmm. So I think about it for a minute. Uh, You've got this woman who has this thriving entrepreneurial business. She doesn't want to have anything to do with God because she's a self made woman and she's going ahead, multi million dollar business and all that. Well, something bad happens, the business goes bankrupt. But something maybe good comes out of that because she looks to God for the first time and realizes she's not got control of this thing. Mm-hmm. And she maybe needs to reconsider here about just what life is and just how independent she really is. She's thought that all her life, but now, wow, what a, what a terrible thing to happen. But something really good might cap- come from that. She might be open to the gospel for the first time in her life. So that's the second one. Sometimes to achieve greater good. And then the third one is the most frustrating, Bill. I recognize it. Don't call me. Don't write me letters. I know it already that this is the one that bugs everybody. And the reason bad things happen is because we don't know why. <laughs> uh huh. That God is not obligated to explain it to us. Yeah. But, you know, it is human nature, isn't it, Bill, that we want an explanation for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we sure and do. And we will strive for it, and we'll, we'll bring out 37 different theories of why this happened. Or it must have been this, or it has to be because of that. And we go round and round and round and round. And every time around the track, we get more frustrated because we don't have any confidence that we figured it out. And that's what drives people crazy. I want to talk about it here in a couple minutes, but that's what happens in the book of Job. Job has all these terrible things happen, and he's got these three pals of his, Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar, and they spend about 30 chapters sending this thing around the track, and they can't resolve anything, trying to explain why Job is suffering. Okay, So that one is the hardest one, and I don't want to make light of it, Bill. This is really serious. People have really bad things happening. Happen in their lives and they're suffering. This is hurtful. They are devastated. Some of them are about as low as they can get. And so I don't want to speak, you know, just flippantly here about this, but I think we also have to recognize God is not in any kind of obligation here to explain why things are happening. He may choose to, and sometimes, as a matter of fact, as the years go by and time passes, people can see as they look back to say, okay, I can see why this happened now because of this and that happening. Isn't Johnny Erickson Tata the poster girl for this? Oh, she ever. She broke her neck swimming at 17. it has been in a wheelchair ever since. But you listen to Johnny now, and she realizes she is closer to God today, far more in that wheelchair than if she never would have been hurt in the first place. Mm-hmm. But it took a long time for her to understand that. And so that third one, you get it? Don't Please don't hit, send me hate mail. It, it, we just— don't know a lot of the time we have to be able to accept that and that's what i want to get with uh, with uh, the book of job here with you because job is kind of the old testament predecessor of what jesus says here in john chapter 9 neither this man nor his parents sinned because it's the works of god that can be shown in
0: him so can we take a jump back into the old Testament yeah, here. Yeah, we can, but we've only got two minutes before our break, so I'm not sure how deep we want to go uh, take our jump yet until after the break, if that's all right. That's uh, okay. But I do want to say, Mark, that people are going to use a lot of energy to try to make sense of whatever has gone wrong in their life or whatever suffering yep. or uh, adversity they've had, and I don't blame them because that's pretty human nature, isn't it? It is. We want to know why. We think that somehow
1: that's going to comfort us. But you know what, Bill? Even if we're able to figure it out pretty well,
0: we still feel rotten. Oh, I know. And then if somebody says, well, uh, something really bad has happened, but, you know, I'm trusting God, um, we'd almost question that as well. Well, aren't you trying to make sense of it? Yeah. Yeah and that that
1: you're getting into some deep waters there Bill and I think we have to be very respectful to people who are hurting. Uh, I and, do and, agree with to, you. To, to treat this right but you hit a very delicate balance there of how we approach these things and hopefully lord willing we can talk about that before we're done here today.
0: Yeah, I hope we can. And then cuz I've known people who are followers of Christ and they're 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 deeply devoted uh believers and something bad happens to them and they're Almost a little bit like, well, no, I'm trusting God through this. And it's like, yeah. don't you want to parse this out a little bit more? Aren't you mad? Aren't you frustrated? Yeah. And yeah, th- they well, almost have this, almost makes me like, oh, I wish I had that kind of faith. It's just beautiful. Well, yeah, there's there's a lot that can be said about that.
1: Yeah. It's really true.
0: All right, we'll take a break. we come back lots more with Dr. Mark Muska. Open your Bible, John chapter 9. We're talking about the healing of the blind man. If you have a question or comment, I know Mark would be happy to take your... Question, 877-933-2484. Although this is not an Ask the Professor segment, Mark's just going to be teaching on uh, John chapter 9. No doubt he'd be open to a question. Again, eight seven seven nine three three two four eight four. Welcome to the show. If you just tuned in, I hope you've had a great day. Dr. Mark Muska is my guest and we are in our Red Word series. So the words of Jesus, the words you would see in red in your Bible. We're in John chapter 9 today talking about the healing of the blind man. And this is an amazing text. It's so rich and there's so much in it. And Mark, you're going to take us back to the book of Job to get some context for this.
1: Yeah, Job is helpful for this. It's it's the book that most people think about first, about uh, thinking about uh, what do we do, uh, how do we explain when bad things happen to us, because Job really experienced it full bore, and there's great wisdom in the book. And so I, I'd like to just uh, point out a couple things. Just for context, if people haven't read Job lately, uh, he is described as blameless, upright, fearing God, turning away from evil. But then his life falls apart. In chapter 1 of Job, his cattle and all of his livestock are ruined. His sons and daughters are killed. And he goes into mourning. Uh, he says that, uh, naked I came from my mother's womb. Naked I shall return there. And then this this is the words of a great worship song. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And so he does not sin with his lips, he does not blame God. But then in chapter 2, his health is, is taken away from him. He has these boils where, we're going to pick it up in verse 8, where he's laying in the dust, scraping himself with a broken piece of pottery. And in verse 8, it says this, "'Job took a pot to scrape himself while he was sitting among the ashes.'" Then his wife said to him, do you still hold fast your integrity, curse God, and die? Not exactly helpful for her to say that. But then listen to the wisdom. But he said to her, you speak as one of the foolish women speaks. You ready for it? Shall we indeed accept good from God and not accept adversity? In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. That is really, really good. In fact, that is the challenge for us. That was the challenge for that young man who had been born blind. He might not have been aware of it, but are are you? Do you accept good from God, Bill? Yes, I do. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, well, I'm then, a big fan of that. Then the challenge is: Are you going to accept the the adversity then? Are well, accept the bad times. Yeah.
0: You always say to yourself, what are my options? Uh, I've got him to go through this with me, right? but I'm not as happy uh, with the adversity as I am the blessings.
1: No. And notice here, that word accept it, or some translations say receive, both good and adversity from God, to accept it, unpack that a little bit, to accept it, it does not mean you like it, it does not mean you agree with it, and it doesn't mean that you necessarily understand it. But we're challenged to accept it, that we know God well enough to know that something is going on here and we don't know. Job is a pitiful case here because there's a whole thing going on behind the scenes here, behind the curtain between Satan and God. Job hasn't done anything to deserve this of what's happened to him. And so there's, we're stuck with that ourselves so many times. We don't know but are we willing to accept it and to continue to trust the lord through through the trial and through the adversity that is the challenge that we face in in this situation
0: mhm dr mark muska is my guest as we are in john chapter 9 i really appreciated that illustration from job i, I i'm always I, I always marvel when i hear of job's replies it's just like really it's just amazing
1: yep yep he did uh, he, he trusted God. Yeah. Uh, he had his problems too, and God has to rebuke him at the end of the book because he, he, he said over and over again, I don't know what I did wrong. I don't think I did anything wrong. And by saying that, it implied that God was unjust to him. And so God's got to call him up on that and say, no, 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 you're crossing a line there, Job. But that's about as far as it goes. And God restores Job's possessions and uh, prosperity at the end of the book. So uh, he was obviously caught in the middle of something here on a a cosmic level.
0: Mm -hmm. Mark, did Job make it into the uh, Hebrew chapter 11 sort of Hall of Fame of Faith people? I don't know if I remember him being in there. I don't think he
1: is. I don't think I he is might either. I be wrong on that one, yeah. yeah. So, But he continued to believe in God, and he was not going to let his circumstances uh, get in the way of him trusting God. I mean, Bill, I can give you a couple of passages. Paul is great for this, as a matter of fact, where he helps us understand that— some of the possible use that God gives for uh, these uh, kinds of adverse situations. Paul does in Romans uh, chapter 5 at the beginning of the chapter, and then uh, James jumps in there in James chapter 1. So I know this doesn't comfort people very well, but at least it helps us to accept it when we're going through adversity. Where uh, listen to what Paul says here. I'm reading from Romans 5 3. He says, And not only this, but we also exult in our tribulations. You got to be crazy, Paul. No, he's not. Why? Because he says, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance and perseverance, proven character and proven character, hope. And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who is given to us. Now, I don't know about you. Uh, again, I'm going to take a little uh, survey here. Uh, Bill, uh, do you like the idea of uh, of persevering in life?
0: Oh, do I that ever. sound good? Oh, it sounds fantastic.
1: Yeah. Do you hope to have proven character?
0: I really do, Mark.
1: Yeah, me too. Yeah. And then do you want to have the hope that does not disappoint? Most definitely. Yeah. Well, did you see what is it was at the beginning of that?
0: I Tribulation. that. Tribulation.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, we'd like to chop that first part of this thing and say, go give us the rest of this, would you, Lord? Nah, it doesn't work that way. Yeah. That this is one of the things. That gets to that second reason I gave you of why bad things happen, that God uses these things to accomplish much greater good in our lives in the world in the church uh, even though uh, we suffer we have uh, we have this this great confidence in God uh, let me read James he does the same thing at the beginning of his book people like to skip right over this when they start reading James because they don't like it mm-hmm. he says in verse 2 consider all joy my brothers when you encounter various trials Knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance and let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect or complete, lacking in nothing. Okay. Do you want to be perfect, Bill, and complete, lacking in nothing? Yes. Yeah, you do. And do you want to be able uh, to uh, be endure when things get rough? Yeah, you do. So I do too. So guess how it's going to come when the trials come? Mm-hmm we don't live in this sunshine world where everything goes great and uh, that that's just an unreal thing i worry about us i worry about myself and i worry about my fellow christians in the united states where so many things that are a part of everyday life that makes it difficult around the world, those things have been removed for us. We have unreal luxury and comfort and things in this country that so many of our brothers and sisters in Christ don't have in other continents. And so it's real easy to to resent and rebel and to shake our fist at God when something happens to us that we don't like. Uh, this is, uh, it, it's a tough pill to take. And f- friends, I'm taking the pill myself, okay? I'm not just giving it to you. We need to check our expectations of life, of God, of what He's gonna do in our lives. Sometimes it's not gonna be all roses and honeysuckle.
0: Yeah, Mark, I think I started saying like four decades ago, uh, I, I would love the character of my grandmother, but I'm just not sure I would want to go through the adversity she went through.
1: Yeah, yeah. And how many of, many of us can point to that type of testimonial,
0: right? In people's lives, but you can't get the character without the adversity, right?
1: That's the way it sounds. <laughs> so,
0: uh, <laughs> yeah. So, have so, so a we good need. Day. <laughs> yeah. We need to study and reflect on this time and time and time again because eventually I think we'll we'll understand what it means. Because initially when you read that, you're going, eh, that doesn't interest me. This mm-hmm. adversity, I, yeah. you know, I can't be joyful in, in my suffering.
1: Yep, yep, yep. I agree completely. And you know, Bill, this is also though where the brothers and sisters in the family of God can be of such encouragement and and, and strength for us when we're we're struggling to accept these things that even though we don't understand it or like it or agree with it, it's great. Sometimes they they may say things that might be a little bit too direct and we don't like it. It can hurt, but they can help so much to encourage us to persevere through these kinds of trials.
0: Mm-hmm. When we were uh, talking earlier in the hour, and I'm looking at my notes because I wish I could read my own handwriting, Mark. That's a problem I have. <laughs> but... uh what did you call it again? Spiritual retribu- retribution? Retribution theology. Right, yeah, that's it. Retribution theology. Yep. Where people say something that they they don't know is coming across as unkind, but you know it, it could be this a uh, sin or it could be something. I bet there's so many people listening right now that had a, had a story like that at at church or at a Bible study or something where at the height of their hurt or woundedness. Uh, A well-intentioned Christian said something that was just so damaging.
1: Oh, yeah, and it can sound so spiritual. Like, well, have you confessed this to God? Yes, yes. It's like, thanks a lot for that, pal. (laughs) I I did not need that, you know? Yeah. So there, uh, And, you know, I have to qualify that too, though, Bill, because sometimes we do do the wrong thing and we suffer for it. And thank God we have some friends that can gently and kindly approach us about that kind of thing, even though we might want to bite them. That right. they, they tell us what we need to hear. That's the signal of a true friend.
0: Yeah, but timing is everything, too. Sometimes when it you're is. hurting and wounded, you just need somebody to come alongside you and just be present and love on you. Maybe maybe you don't need words. You just need arms around you. That just gives you a hug. Yeah. Well, that's the example we got in Job chapter 2, where the, his
1: three pals show up, And uh, Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar, uh, it says right at the end of the chapter that they came and they saw Job and they sat with him for a week without saying a word Mm -hmm. because they saw that his pain was very great. And then that's the highlight of the book for those three. And then <laughs> yeah. as soon as they open their mouth, it starts going downhill in chapter three. So that there is a great place for that. There's such a, there's such a need to get this on the teeter-totter, though, Bill, to say sometimes people need that silence of an arm around them yep. and to cry with them and yep. to just shut up and let the person unravel a little bit. No doubt about it, that is appropriate in some circumstances. But you know what, too, Bill? There's also the time where you need to be ready to be able to speak the truth of the Scriptures and of Jesus into the life of people that are hurting. Amen. You have a woman who has had a miscarriage again and can't seem to carry a baby to term, and she's devastated by that. You throw your arm around her, but what do you say when she says, where's God in all this? Well, let me throw my arm around you. Well, no, that's nice. Thank you for that. But I really would like to know, where's God in this? So we also have to be prepared to speak lovingly the truth of the scriptures into the pain of people. It's not enough just to be a hugger. We have to also be ready. And I like to uh, to encourage people to be ready with both of those and try to read the the situation the best you can and apply the best one at the best time.
0: Mm-hmm. Doctor Mark Mosca is my guest. We're in our Red Word series, the words of Jesus, and we're in John chapter nine. We're going to take a break and come back. Lots more with Mark just ahead. Faith Radio and Afternoons with Bill podcasts are available because of listener support. If you are a supporter, thank you so much. Becoming a supporter today by visiting MyFaithRadio.com. My guest is Dr. Mark Muska. Usually you know him from Ask the Professor, but today he is our teaching uh Doing teaching on John chapter nine in the Red Word series, so Mark, it's a sensational hour so far. But let's get to this point where we can walk away with some applications from John chapter nine for today.
1: Yeah, I, I would just kind of summarize the things we've been talking about. You know, uh, think of where you're at today if you're listening to this. Are you, are you experiencing trials, uh, difficulty? Are you disappointed? Are you sad? Yes. Yes. Are you crushed? Yes. By things. Okay. Uh, Just to summarize a little bit, I think we're challenged with this example of Job. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord to accept it, not necessarily to like it or to agree with it or understand. And that may take some time. That's not something that you can just wave some magic wand and you're ready to accept it. But that's the the destination that we go toward. Uh, Secondly, we trust God that he knows what he's doing. Those Romans and James passages here, he is in the business of making us better followers of Christ, not necessarily cushy followers of Christ. And sometimes that means that there's got to be some suffering in there. But third, and we didn't talk about this, Bill, but I think it's really important to be honest with God with what we're thinking and what we're feeling. You know what? God can handle it, and he knows it already, even before you say it. So you're only kidding yourself if you think you're going to put some smiley face on this. You talked about that person earlier, Bill, that is able to trust God and smile through these kind of difficulties. Mm -hmm. I applaud them. Uh I think that's awesome. But there's a, a tremendous danger there that they're trying to fool themselves and everybody else, and they're really hurting. And if they're hurting... God can handle it, if you're angry, if you're sad, if you're confused, uh, this there's a whole series of psalms in the book of Psalms, Bill, that are called the lament psalms. You know what it is to lament? It means to grieve. Mm-hmm. And David wrote a bunch of these. Uh, Let me just read some of this from Psalm 3. It's a quickie where he says, Oh, Lord, how my adversaries have increased. Many are rising up against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no deliverance for him in God. That's somebody who's down. He's complaining. He thinks his enemies are going to overtake him, right? Right. And he's telling God, he's not holding back on him at all. But you know what's so cool about these lament psalms, and maybe we need to do a program on this sometime, is that these lament psalms, there's the complaint, there's the honesty with God, but they always turn to trust in God. Mm -hmm. That even though he's hurting, listen to the next verse in Psalm 3, he says, and they usually start with this word, but, okay? But you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory, and the one who lifts my head. I was crying to the Lord with my voice, and he answered me from his holy mountain. That's where we seek our comfort, being honest with God, but then also trusting him. That he will bring us through. You know, last night, my wife and I were, we just happened upon uh, the older version, the 1980s version of the movie Shadowlands, mm-hmm. about part of the life of C.S. Lewis. That will just break your heart because the story is about his relationship with this American woman that uh, Joy Gresham, that he uh, and, and was fast friends with and ended up marrying her. And she was sick with cancer and she died. And when she dies, C.S. Lewis grieves. He weeps with her son as they grieve uh, th- his wife and her his mother's death in this, in the Shadowlands. And I just, I love that because it's so real. C.S. Lewis is no less of a Christian trusting God for expressing that grief, but he did trust God and he came through it. So that's that's the challenge that we have in front of us. And then last, Bill, I would just urge people, check your expectations, step back for a minute, and what do you really expect out of God? You may need to be more realistic with that and lower some of those expectations. It's great to aim high, but we also have to be ready for the realism of it all.
0: Mm -hmm. Mark, God knows how we talk when we're desperate, because I, I see that in Psalm 88. Where just the last four verses, from my youth I have suffered and have been close to death. I have borne your terrors and am in despair. Your wrath has swept over me. Your terrors have destroyed me. All day long they surround me like a flood. They have completely engulfed me. You have taken from me my friend and neighbor. Darkness is my closest friend. In other words, I'd rather just be in the dark than be with you, God. Yeah. So many Christians, Bill, they're afraid
1: to be that honest with God when they're feeling. I
0: know they are. They read that and they go, oh,
1: oh, I I could never talk to God that way. Yeah. How dare I? Well, why not? He knows already and He wants you to come to Him in every circumstance that you're in. So that just, uh, I wish we could break that that uh, that hardness there that we seem to have in the christian community about how we uh, how we handle
0: adversity and how we relate to god in the midst of it it's a big big challenge yeah mark when we started this i didn't know that we would need more than 1 hour to cover john chapter 9 but we've gotten through 5 verses and we only have like 6 minutes left so we should yeah. do this more often and get through all of 9 but i know there's probably some more to the story we can touch on before we end the hour today.
1: Yeah. Well, it's just great that this guy gets healed and everybody's seeing this. And then the Pharisees getting involved because uh, he gets healed on the Sabbath. And so they want to know how he got healed. He, He tells them that this man applied clay to my eyes and washed and now I see. And the Pharisees get into an argument with themselves to say, there's no way this guy is righteous doing this on the Sabbath. He's breaking the Sabbath laws. And then the other Pharisees going, how much more do we have to see to see the work of God here? And so they argue with each other. They come back for round two with this guy. And so they ask him again, what did he do? How How did this happen? And he he jabs him. He gets a he gets a good one in. Hey, uh, verse twenty six. What did he do uh, to you? How did he open your eyes? And listen to the guy who's been healed. He answered them. I told you already, and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? You do not want to become his disciples too, do you? And uh-huh. <laughs> these are the same Pharisees that were hurling all these insults at him in the, in the prayer chapter. And they, oh man, talk about a low blow for those Pharisees. And it says they reviled him and. said, you are his disciple, but worse, disciples of Moses. And listen to the wisdom out of this guy. The blind man says, we know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he is from. The man answered and said to them, here's an amazing thing. You do not know where he's from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not hear sinners, but if anyone is God fearing and does his will, he hears him. Since the beginning of time, it's never been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a person born blind. And are you ready for it? If this man was not from God, he could do nothing. Amen to that.
0: Yeah. So, Mark, I'm, I'm looking at the Pharisees starting to bicker about this, and I'm thinking, is anybody happy for the guy who just got his sight restored? They sure don't seem to be. They don't care. They're they're yep. more concerned about how it got done. Yep, and the law, you know. And, that's,
1: yeah. Adherence to the law, that was their only hope. And again, Bill, there's a half-truth there, isn't there? Because they did remain connected with God by observing the law. But when it becomes a legalistic monster, then you got a problem. Just with the Sabbath. Remember what Jesus says earlier in the Gospels. He said, a man was not made for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for man. There's higher things
0: here than this law on the Sabbath. Yeah. I just love this. I love his comment. Why, why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? I just, I just love that. It's so in their face. Yeah. And then at the end of the passage,
1: this is really sweet. They put him out of the synagogue. He can't go and worship in the synagogue anymore. The Pharisees dumped this guy. So in verse 35, Jesus heard that they had put him out of the synagogue and finding him, he said, do you believe in the son of man? He answered, Who is he, Lord, that I may believe him? Jesus said to him, You have both seen him, and he is the one who Ugh. is talking with oh. you. Oh, Kapawi. <laughs> Wouldn't you love to see reruns of this? Oh, yes. Today? Yeah. And it, that it, man, yeah. man says, Lord, I believe, and yeah. he worshiped him. It's man. just
0: like that moment with Jesus at the, the uh, Samaritan woman at the well. Yep. Yeah, yep. The person you were talking about, I am he. I just love those moments. Yeah. They're some of my favorites in Scripture. You betcha. Yeah. Jesus, you just don't get tired of it, dude. No. No, I get I I actually get more excited uh hearing it for the 700th time. Yep. I I'm with you, brother. Yeah. I don't know what 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 is that about us, Mark? Well, I think we want to be with Jesus. Okay. <laughs> I'm not arguing that at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you once again for being uh, my awesome guest and my friend and and talking about John chapter 9 and this is so encouraging. You bet! It's always fun, Bill. You know that. I know it is. I I'd do this every day. If you'd agree to it, but you probably wouldn't. So, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying anything right now. Okay, so. I figured so. Well, have a great evening. Uh, blessings to what, do the grandkids. They start school next week, or uh... they just started yesterday, and we
1: get the three of them uh, tomorrow and Friday. It's going to be chaos, but it's going
0: to be glorious. Is it overnight? Oh, you bet. <laughs> Do you hire an outside security firm or you just do it yourself? We maybe should, but we do it ourselves. <laughs> so. Well, blessings and good, and uh, have a wonderful, uh, wonderful weekend. Thanks a lot, brother. You Take bet. care of yourself. You bet. Dr. Mark Muska has been my guest. And if you missed any of today's show, I do have to say thank you to my awesome guests. Dr. Don Barley was in hour one. We talked about evidence for God, and Don did an awesome job. And then Mark has just finished talking about John chapter nine. There's so much rich stuff in John chapter nine that I know for a fact I'm going to go home and re-listen to this hour uh, just because I want to hear more of Mark's teaching and I want to make sure I get it right and write it down. So I encourage you to go to myfaithradio.com. Check out the podcast. Thank you so much for being with me today. I've loved being with you. All right, I'll see you tomorrow. Lots of guy talk coming up tomorrow. Have a good night.